everyone. Welcome back to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach, and I'm here with Brandon. And we're talking today about the killing of George Floyd and the newly released body cam footage that came out. To break things up, our plan for today is to show the actual body cam footage in case anyone hasn't seen it. From there, we're just going to give a couple uh, brief explanatory points about the charges that are actually brought up against, particular against Derek Chauvin, um, but against the officers. And then we'll cut it there, give a couple minutes for you all to digest the, the video that you watched and the points that we talked about with the charges. And we'll set a time five minutes after that point where we'll then jump back into the meeting and we can jump right into discussion as right. opposed to us having to introduce the issue as, as we have in the past. We're gonna show the whole video so that you have all the information. Uh, it is an eight minute video, and then we'll have a couple minutes afterwards where we'll talk about what you guys see. And this is of the new body cam footage that's came out, not the previous one with him on his neck. This is the introduction mm -hmm. to the officers with the vehicle and uh, Josh Wood. So with that, let's start the body cam footage. Let me see your other hand. Please, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me see your other hand. Please, both hands. Put your hands off right now. Let me see your other hand. Put your hands up there. Put your I got, I got shot the same way because I was before. Okay, well, when I say let me I'm see sorry. your hands, you put your hands up. You got them? Dang, man. Put your hands on top of your head. 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 Step out of the vehicle and step away from me, all right? Step out and face away. <laughs> Step out and face away. Okay, please don't shoot me. Please, man. I'm not going to shoot please. you. Step out and face no. away. I'm going to get out of here, man. Please don't shoot me, man. I just lost my mom, man. Step out and face away. Step out and face away. Please don't shoot me, Mr. Officer. Please. Don't shoot me, man. Step out and face away. You're not shooting me, man. I'm not shooting you. Step out and face okay. away. Okay, okay. Please. Please, please, man. Please. Adam, 
want to walk through really quick the the charges that were brought up in response not to that but in response to what everyone else is more familiar with the the video that happened afterwards of Derek Chauvin kneeling on on Floyd's neck and then we'll cut it and give you guys some time to digest to to think and we'll come back five minutes later to to discuss so the charges that were brought on Derek Chauvin there's third-degree murder and manslaughter, which were the first charges that were brought on him. And so third-degree murder is defined as having no intent to kill, but having perpetrated, quote, an act eminently dangerous to others and ev evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. Manslaughter then is going down another step where it's accidental and the the aspects of having a depraved mind and without regard for human life, those aren't necessarily part of the charge. The charge has since been elevated to second-degree murder, which is one of two charges, either same thing as third-degree murder, but with intent to kill, or it could also be felony murder, which is a murder while committing another felony. And so often this is seen with, with robberies and things like that that lead to murder, that lead to third degree murder rather that then get elevated to second degree murder. So the felony charge that they're pairing with the murder charge is felony assault, which is defined as an action that quote inflicts substantial bodily harm. Those are the charges that were brought up on Chauvin. And you all saw the video now of the, of the body cam footage that was released. We're going to cut it now and we'll come back at 721 now 
And so we'll come back, we'll give it six minutes just to be safe um, in case it flips. Um, so we'll come back at 727. Let's see, it's just flipped 722. So we'll come back at 727 and use the same invite link that you used the first time and we'll come back and discuss. We'll see you all then. All right, looks like everyone that was here at the beginning is back. And so let's just jump right into discussion. I just wanna open it up first and see if you guys have any thoughts, uh, opening thoughts on the footage itself or thoughts on the case, really anything at this point. Uh, we have some things that we can talk about obviously, but just wanted to see if anyone has any preliminary thoughts on the, on the footage that they saw. And as always, uh, feel free to either use the Zoom chat or you're all also unmuted now. So you could either use the Zoom chat or feel free to unmute your audio and just talk either way, whatever you're comfortable with. So in the meantime, there were a couple of things that I wanted to touch on and feel free if you're typing, feel free to go ahead and comment whenever. There were a couple of things that I wanted to touch on that were brought up in response to the charges that were brought up. This is still more or less objective facts that, that were brought up. This isn't necessarily an opinion one way or the other, but the charges were disagreed with on both sides. And so there was a large group of people that were pushing for the charges to be elevated to first degree murder. And on the other side, there were also multiple groups that thought the existing charges themselves were too, too high as they are. In particular, the Legal Rights Center and the ACLU in Minnesota raised concerns about the third degree murder charge before the second degree murder charge was even brought up because Minnesota courts have actually long held for third degree murder charges that the action must be, quote, eminently dangerous to more than one person. In all states, that isn't something that applies to third degree murder, but it's something that has commonly been the case in Minnesota courts. So it raised concerns that they were charging them with something that they can't hold up in court, that they couldn't prove. Additional concerns then came up with the second degree murder charges. First, because outside of the felony murder case, people had concern with the intent to kill aspect of it because it's just harder to prove and, again, seems like overcharging. On top of that, most other states outside of Minnesota, most states don't actually allow felony murder charges to be brought up with assault as the predicate crime. So the, the felony that accompanies the murder, most states don't allow assault in that category. That makes sense on some level because it does set a pretty big precedent. It sets the precedent that any assault could be then tried as felony murder if it, if it leads to a death. Because again, the definition of that third degree assault is just an assault that inflicts substantial bodily harm, which could reasonably be any assault. And so if any assault then led to murder, it could then be tried as felony murder. Whether or not that should be the case is up for discussion, up for debate, but it does set a precedent that it seems like most other states haven't wanted to set. The combination of these charges has led to a lot of controversy and a lot of debate over what charges should actually be set. There's also a fair amount of history of overcharging in cases like this and in other cases where charges are brought up that can't be proven or on some level aren't substantiated by enough evidence that then the defendant gets off. 
we, we just got a, a comment. Uh, I want to read that before going on. It says, I don't even know what to say right now, honestly. It's still just a lot. I've honestly been avoiding details of this and other situations. It's just stressful. But I just, I mean, aside from the obvious, do they not have any training on mental health or anything? Like fight or flight instinct is difficult to control. He was panicked and they're treating him like he's a criminal without saying anything about why they're even bothering him. That's true. That is, they didn't bring up, at least in the, in the body cam footage, they didn't bring up the charges that they were pursuing. They definitely didn't seem as empathetic, I guess, as someone that would be trained in mental health may be. It definitely is the case that, that cops don't get extensive mental health training, right? This is part of the rationale behind part of the defund the police movement that people have been using. They say that police aren't trained to handle all of these situations. And instead of increasing funding to increase training, we should decrease funding and allocate those funds to other organizations or other groups that then may be able to help in these situations. So someone who wants to advocate for defunding the police may say that in this situation, you would call the cops and then you would also call someone who is more highly trained in mental health once you realize that that's the case, that this is what's going on and that they may be able to address the situation better. To play devil's advocate to that, I think you could also argue that, right, so there's no time to make a second call is the second comment we just got. So there's no time to make a second call. You don't know what's going to happen, especially if the suspect is being non-compliant, if they're being violent, which George Floyd wasn't being violent, so to speak, but he wasn't necessarily complying at the same time. I don't know personally because I have obviously never been a cop, but I have to believe that there were cases where it seems like mental health is a factor, but that then may lead to violence or, or other, other factors. There, we got another comment, so we got a couple more comments. There's no time to make a second call was the last one we got. The money needs to be used not to fund other areas, but to educate the police force. Then the follow-up comment is no, money needs to be used for both. So I think it's important to recognize that on some level, sacrifice needs to be made as far as funding. But I think it's easy to say that money needs to be used to fund all of them and to fix all of this. But eventually you run out of money, right? Eventually you run out of funds and you could argue that then money could be cut from other areas. And that's a discussion that could be had. But I think that needs to come hand in hand with a, well, money needs to be used for both, but then it was taken from this other third area. And I think that's tricky because then everyone has their own hierarchy of what needs funding and it's tough to make that call and what else gets cut as opposed to police and as opposed to these other areas. I think it's important to recognize that both avenues could realistically be a quote-unquote solution, right, for different scenarios. This situation could have been handled better in either the case that someone who was trained in mental health was present, or if the police was, were better trained in things like mental health. I, I'll acknowledge my biases now so that I don't have to dance around it too much. I'm personally not for defunding the police. I'll, I'll address this next comment really quick and then because that gets to part of my point. So the last comment was no money needs to be used for both. 
Also, quote, no time to make a second call, unquote, my buns, because why are there so many other videos where people are being actively aggressive and have weapons, but none of this happens? There were plenty of chances. That's, that's a fair point. There are videos where people are being actively aggressive and have weapons, but none of this happens. But I think if they're being actively aggressive with weapons, more often than not, it leads to violent intervention by the police, justifiably violent intervention by the police. There are cases where that doesn't happen and that bring a lot of controversy to the table. Right? The prime example are school shooters, where you'll see an image of a white school shooter being led peacefully back to the car in handcuffs, and it sparks a lot of controversy because they weren't shot, or rather that they weren't shot, but that other people are shot. But I think that there comes the point where you have to decide before the incident happens, or rather early on, whether or not that call needs to be made. And if you look at the early part of this video, George Floyd was panicked, sure, but I wouldn't jump to, and granted, I'm not a trained expert, but with my limited knowledge from psychology and neuroscience education, I wouldn't say that he exhibited signs of excessive mental health problems early on. It was more so he was paranoid annoyed and panicked, especially because he had been shot before. And so if I were the police officer in that instance, I wouldn't say at that point that it necessitates that call. Now, later in the video, you saw his ex, he asked his ex and the other person that were in the car, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he being so squirrely and, and not complying? And they asked, he asked them if he was on anything. They said, no, he, he's not on anything. And she said, he's got something going on and pointed her finger at his, at her head and, you know, waved it around like the he's crazy sign. Mm -hmm. So at that point, there may be more evidence of mental health that necessitates a call. But at that point, is it too late? I think is what the, the one anonymous person is, is pointing out. Uh, I, we got a couple more comments. So I'm going to read through those again, really quick for those listening in. From which one? Um, we, so the last one we read was the one that said there are cases of someone being actively aggressive and having weapons, but none of this happening. And there were plenty of chances to make the call. So the next ones were that in general, there may be enough time to call, but it's not a guarantee. The first responders, the first officers on the scene need to be prepared to deal with it. Black, white, or purple, mental health is a complicated and difficult beast to rein in. There needs to be training on how to defuse it. And then the next comment is, WTF was the gun even out for, out for, off, rip. In regards as if, why, in, in what state, or at least in what protocol do you walk up with a gun cocked to, in, the, in that fashion uh, to someone's car window? Yeah, so I've never I seen somebody. So. Say, for instance, you get pulled over. I've never seen somebody put, put the gun to the window over a seatbelt. You know what I mean? So I, I want to push back a little bit because at the beginning of the video, he didn't have his gun pulled yet. He tapped the window with a flashlight. He tapped the window with a flashlight, said, show me your hands. He tapped it. I don't want to, don't quote me, but I believe he said that somewhere around two to four times, show me his hands. And he still didn't see both hands. I, as a white person, have had a cop pull me over. He didn't pull the gun, which admittedly is different, but I've had a cop pull me over and I was panicked. I was young at the time. And so I was scrambling looking for my insurance card. And he came to the window and immediately barked at me, show me your hands, show me your hands. And I freaked out. I put my hands on the steering wheel and, and showed him, right? Because when they're telling you to show your, show your hands, they're trying to see that you yourself don't have a gun. And so I will push back against the why was the gun even out? Because I think at that point he had told George Floyd two, three, four times 
let me see your hands, and he still didn't see both hands. So I think in that instance, the gun, while it may have escalated the situation, may have escalated the panic, it's a justified pull of the gun on the cop's part because you don't know in that situation what you're going to deal with, right? There are plenty of cases of the cop then getting shot when he's at the window because he didn't see his hands, the guy had a gun, and then pop, the cop's now dead. So whether or not the rest is justified is a separate discussion, but I just wanted to push back on that specific point. Any other thoughts? Actually, so I'm looking at the transcript now, and I believe he said it once and then said, Jesus Christ, put your hand on the wheel. Keep your, keep your fucking hands on the wheel. That was after two times, and I think I remember him saying that after he pulled the gun out. We would have to reference back to the video. Got it. But I wouldn't, set you, I wouldn't guess you would say that before you have a gun in your hand. You don't, you don't think about the Lord unless you, <laughs> unless you have power to take a life. That's fair. And so, yeah, I may have been wrong on the count. And, you know, again, whether or not it was pulled early, that may be the case. We got another couple comments came in. Uh, it said, I've never seen a cop half approach the vehicle either. He didn't like, <laughs> what's the word? I'll, I'll let them, them finish up their thought. But as a whole, what do you, how, how, how do you look at this as, as a whole looking at the previous footage? So you, you're the, your angle is saying that they didn't have, that the officers got too harsh of a punishment mine personally or so i don't know as far as the charges go i don't want to make any statements about the charges because the charges have nothing to do really with the body cam footage charges more so have to do with the kneeling afterwards as far as their interactions here i think it's mixed right because you could make the argument that they pulled the gun too early but you do also see that mental health aside paranoia aside he does still act fairly like he isn't he isn't compliant the whole time clearly that doesn't necessarily, that obviously doesn't justify, okay, I want to preface this by saying I do think that Derek Chauvin is guilty on some level for the death of George Floyd, right? Because we all saw the video of that. There's no need to kneel on the neck for eight minutes, especially for multiple minutes after the pulse isn't found. Right. That's the part I wanted to, uh, he's guilty on the fact that he took his life. Right. Now, what charge is applicable, that's that's a separate discussion, right? But I do agree that there is some charge to be brought up. Now, the interactions leading up to that, I do think that the cops, outside of maybe drawing the gun too early, handled it as appropriately as I would expect them to handle an encounter with someone who you're getting a call that they committed a crime and now, admittedly, not a huge crime, but you're getting that, that call. You see that they were telling him that- You gather the intelligence that he may not be in the right state of mind. You approach the vehicle with that mindset uh, negated, I would say, mm -hmm. without he responded with um, George Floyd and the other officers. And from thenceforth, you can say that, I would say after he, so they were trying to get him in the car. Mm -hmm. And it's four officers. So you take him from one side of the car to pull him out of the car. At one point in time, his whole body was in the car. So I don't know. In that case, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Floyd also kind of came with him, right? Because I think in that, so that was after multiple instances of Floyd saying, I don't want to get in the car. I don't want to get in the car. Please crack the windows for me. I'll, they agreed to crack the windows. They agreed to stay with him, right? They gave him everything that he was asking for then. And so there's only so much 
leeway that you have, I think, in that position, right? And I think that most of that interaction, right, they were being fairly reasonable, I'll say, right? They, they were talking to him calmly. They were expressing sympathy with his anxiety and claustrophobia, telling him that, yeah, we'll crack the windows. Yes, I'll stay with you. I'm not, I'm not going to leave you alone, things like that. And then when they pulled him into the car, I don't know what was happening then. I don't know if he pulled too hard and he came out with him. I don't know if Floyd just wanted out of the car that badly and and pushed back to get out of the car, right? So I don't want to speculate on that part. To address some of the contents of the chat, it says that he approached the vehicle directly. He could have seen his hands better at any angle. Another comment retorts and says, it's not up to the cop to change his angle. He asked for his hands. Next comment says, I'm just saying it's weird to me because I've never been approached indirectly by a cop. The following and final comment in the chat says, George wasn't in the frame of mind to deal. So before we jump in, I want to push back a little on that. When that cop approached me and I was looking for my insurance card, he absolutely was not straight in front of the window. He was definitely on the side, you know, to where he could only see like at a slant into the into the window i think for that same reason right because when he saw me now again this is a different situation when he saw me i was scrambling a little which is admittedly even worse but i think that it's common for them to to not stand right in front of the window because when that happens there are plenty of cases yeah and we just got a comment that said they're never straight in front not ever ah, i'm gonna have to yeah that never part i've definitely um been pulled over um, and I've had the cop square as a square, chest plate to my window. Not necessarily never, but in certain, certain, certain protocol and what happens in real life are two different scenarios. And I think, you know, other things that come into that race aside, right, will take out the potentially racist undertones of the interaction. Even taking into account size, dude, George Floyd's a big dude. I think you can you can see that from outside a car. You can tell that you're walking up on a dude that's six plus feet tall and fairly big, right? And so I think outside of the race, outside of the reason that you're at the car, I think there's also a difference in who you're coming up to and what your reaction is going to be then. Because if you're coming up on someone who is a a larger suspect, then you're inherently going to be a little more, I guess, hesitant or a little more, you know, off to the side, worried that something may happen, or rather that if something happens, it could go worse. Now, in regards to the officers, we're going to address the chat again, because the conversation Mm -hmm. is definitely growing in there. And I definitely would like to note that, yes, you can, you see that as a big man. Granted, you can't tell if somebody's six something. If you see you would assume I am like the black great Kali. I'm not. I'm not five <laughs> ten, right? But in regards to handling situations, this is where a lot of people push the conversation to quote unquote defunding the police, which is more like reforming the police through money. In total, in, in with all those officers together, they've in total had 140 days of training. That's not enough to time. But the issue that stands today is the fact that someone's lost their life. And I think it's due to negligence of academies, not necessarily personnel. I think any of the personnel would have done that in that situation. Do I think it's, do I think it's charged racially? Could be because there is a prior bubble between Chauvin and Floyd. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not necessarily, it's not as black and white as we want it to be. Yeah, that's a good point. And you even said that there's a difference between reality and protocol. Protocol probably is to approach from the side. Protocol probably is to not put yourself in front of the window. And so it may not have even been 
bad handling of the situation. It may have been a very appropriate handling of the situation. And we just see other cops handling mm-hmm. situations poorly. Not necessarily, I don't want to say poorly, but not according to protocol when well, they we, go approach the window directly. You know what I mean? Now, I was going to say, in a situation like that, I don't know what the order of the officers, but usually if they're reporting to based off of the call, that initial officer is going to approach, there's a second officer coming to the back. That second car door opened, and that person was talking to somebody else. I'm wondering if that was the officer. Because mm-hmm. if that was, Floyd was also talking to the officer with his hand on that side of the car. Because I was also, too, looking for his other hand. I'm like, I know this. I know he hears them saying, show me your hands. And granted, the, the, the fear, previously being shot, previously losing your mind, all that stuff compounds on it. But I must, 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 must address the chat. So we were. it was based off of the conversation that the police never exactly saw, go directly square in front or sliding up. It says, they always square up with me. The next comment says, not when they first get there. Following says, yes. Every time for me, another comment says, I never have. Someone said, it's been less than 10, more than five times. Another person comments and says, maybe time of day, maybe you're being pulled uh, pulled over plays into it. Uh, I never had them just walk right up to my window. Someone said, all times, 3 a.m., 2 p.m., 6 p.m., etc. And they said, why are you asking someone to get out of their car without saying why are they being pulled over? Why you're arresting someone without saying why? Why was the process such that all you see him was panicking and then the officers being aggressive and irritated? As someone in the military, we were taught errors out in the field are unacceptable and will train until those mistakes are minimized. Someone said, absolutely. And if the guy was shot before, he's going to be squirrely as hell. Another one says, defund the police doesn't mean to say pay them. It doesn't mean don't pay for training. So I want to address something broadly really quick. I want to just point out the, just the idea of, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, yes, it's the reallocation of funds primarily to those seen to simply be arming them and said, yes, we would like for more. The average cop gets what? 840 days, sorry, 840 hours of training. That is not enough, period. When we, when people hear defund, it really means reallocate and to renegotiate the funds on where it's going. Now, the question in regards to why are you asking someone to get out of their car without saying why they're pulled over, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's because they were getting pulled over. Per se, like, I've, I've had times where I've had to get out of the vehicle without them saying anything. And if you think I'm retorting or asking them a question, uh, you must not live in my America. Uh, one of the comments at the bottom says, maybe a better way to state it is to re reorganize the police, right? Not defund. Now, granted, the re- okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of back. Sorry, a lot of people wouldn't know this. So during the, I want to say the, I want to say the late 80s, early 90s, LA, the LA police force had to be defunded completely and reorganized because of how they were handling things within the community. You about the LA riots? Right, from the LA yeah. riots and how they were handled. That's where the idea of it came. They literally gutted that entire uh, chapter out and then reintroduced it. From there reform started to happen. That's, and that's where that concept is replaying itself now, using the same terms to create the same change, not necessarily uh, the wording or the syntax of the situation. So I want to jump in really quick on this, this use of the term. I agree completely that the, the use of the term is super important. I think that the big disconnect, and it's not just with this, but it's with a lot of other issues too, the big disconnect between people on the two different camps is that the definition doesn't match 
And so defund, one of the comments we just got, and we'll address the ones that came in before this one. One of the comments we just got was defund is going to get more attention though. It will, and abolish got even more attention than that. But the way off that you're making is you get more attention and you lose credibility because more and more people will say, absolutely not. We're not gonna abolish the cops. We're not gonna defund the cops because then we'll have no cops. And now you see there are some camps where most people are on board with that meaning of defund, at least people who want to do it. You also have the people who are pushing for a complete abolishment. You have Minnesota wants to be a quote, police free area. You have people that want true, true definition abolish the police. And then that leads to New York Times even, even had a, um, an article recently talking about Chaz slash Chop and how the business owners are now suing the, gov the government there because of their negligence and their inability to address the crime that was happening in that area. So I think the use of language is important. And I push for this a lot with stuff, with stuff like this because I think that the way that we use language if we're not using it by the agreed upon definition, then we wind up, well, I think someone left and it just sent them back in here. Whoever just joined the chat, let me know if you used the new meeting link, <laughs> because if you did, then we may have an issue. But if not, then we should be good. But anyway, that's just my point on language um, that, we're, that we're using. I wanna address the other comments that we got just so that we don't lose them. Um, so after the, the last comment was maybe a better way to state it is to reorganize the police, not defund. Mental health awareness is just finally now being addressed and recognized. And then the next comment we had is, I feel as though as someone who is in the military, it takes 13 weeks for me to even join the military, then another month of training and more training depending on my job. And then when I'm stationed, training is still done on a daily basis. I feel like once you're a cop, you just stop training and you just stop doing what will keep you cool-headed in intense situations or just stopping you from escalating a situation that isn't bad. Then the next comment is, well, I agree with that. I think the military does a great job. Uh, defund is going to get more attention uh, and we addressed that. The training is definitely a good point. And I think an important aspect to recognize too is that element of continued training because it may very well be that police training has gotten on some level better. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how it's changed, but it may be that police training has gotten better. But look at how old Derek Chauvin is. And if the continued training isn't implemented, then you run into the issue of older cops not having experienced that newer and better training and then oh. running into situations like this, right? Even if the newer cops were going through better training, better mental health training, things like that, if it's not done with the whole force, on a continued basis, then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna keep running into these situations. Well, you're. I think even if, say for instance, the whole, say for instance, somehow we get an auxiliary thirteen billion dollars, or we even revamp the entire uh, United States police force, right? The newbies, the you know, the the new, the green behind the gills type of officers would have would be a lot more, I guess, receptive to the material. Granted, the older dogs may have already gotten, the, you know, do the same amount of training. But once they go into the field, they're going to say, listen, I know I've been doing this for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. <laughs> right. I know how to do my job. I know how to do my job. And there's no whatever, whatever, whatever you want to use. Those new officers, if they want to stay in, because it's very much of a brotherhood, will have to 
unless they're willing to report their higher officer, which I'm sure they're not going to want to do because, you know, it's very layeristic in, the, in those environments. This last comment is, I personally have experience in needing officers to de-escalate terrible situations where the person creating the issue is incredibly unstable mentally. It's not easy and it's scary as hell, but they did it. It's hard and it takes some physical restraint. It's very true. All right, so we're going to migrate to the next meeting. We'll go from there.